Thanks for joining us, everybody, today on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Producer Ryan Hale and myself, Trey Fitzgerald, spend a significant amount of time. It's probably one of our longer episodes with Tyler Gibbons. Tyler, uh, many fans know as uh, one of the voices behind RSL social media. He also oversees the club's branding, marketing, broadcasting. Uh, Tyler's got his hands in a lot of different things. He's been with the club for, I think, going on six or seven seasons now, uh, Ryan. But it was a lot of fun to have really a a nuanced yet wide-ranging conversation with Tyler about uh, how social media technology has changed, how the mediums, the platforms have, have changed for different demographics in a very short period of time and kind of the dynamic of what the club puts on social, how it connects with fans, how it plays out in the locker room, and um, how he really feels his charge is to remind fans, media, sponsors, players, coaches, staff, etc., that soccer is supposed to be fun. There is a clarity of his vision and an understanding of how quickly moving technological changes affect um, the domino effect thereof of how we all connect with each other, how we connect with the club, how the club um, informs, educates, and ultimately entertains, which I think is the main goal uh, because, you know, sports is, is supposed to be uh, an escape from the uh, the doldrums of our daily lives. And, and that's where a lot of our passion comes from for whatever sports, but specifically Real Salt Lake. So just a, a fun conversation but there's some seriousness and 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 we kick off that conversation by talking about Tyler's involvement with Tony Beltran, Elliot Fall, John Kimball and many many others in the development and presentation of the RSL way which was just recently and I think very boldly presented uh, by the club as we kind of look to turn the page into whatever the newest latest iteration era of Real Salt Lake is uh, putting that out there. And we talk about, um, you know, it's easy to talk the talk, but now they've got to walk the walk. So that's, that's to me, one of the more fascinating um, facets of, of putting the RSL way out there. So we'll continue to talk about that uh, in several upcoming episodes of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. But for today, here is Tyler P. Gibbons. All right, one of the most exciting episodes yet for Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Honored privilege to be joined today by the man, the myth, the legend, the inimitable. These are all the superlatives I've used for different people separately. I'm using them all together at once for Tyler P. Gibbons. Welcome on in. Hey, thanks for having us. I feel like I'm going to let you down after that intro. No, you <laughs> You'll never let me down. <laughs> to paraphrase Dave Checkets, when uh, when we got the stadium done in the Levis, at the legislature up in 2007, uh, Salt Lake will never never let us down. So. Well, the rule I've been going by since uh, I think 2015 is technically everything I do is your fault <laughs> because you hired me. So like a good, bad, or indifferent, mm. like you brought me on. This I is what know you I'm an easy for. target, and I'm everything. <laughs> everything a lot of people do is my fault, but. 
That's a burden uh, I'm pleased to bear, <sighs> Tyler. So um, there's so many places we can go. Let's start with uh, the RSL way and your collaboration with, you know, Tony gets the majority of the credit because of Elliot's media appearances over the last, you know, six months or whatever. Obviously, uh, John Kimball came in and I think empowered everybody to to accelerate the development of, of, of that document and then putting it public and really uh, getting it out there to walk the walk. But I think your um, guidance, involvement in in not only the vision of the theory behind everything, but also communicating that to the fans and to the world and uh, and and really putting it out there in a comprehensive yet uh, consumable form mm-hmm. is fascinating to me. So I guess enlighten us a little on, the, on that process. Well, first I got involved uh, through Elliot. So Elliot was a part of... Um, after everything kind of went down and uh, tensions were really high and we were still dealing with all the fallout of the um, information that came out during this summer. There's a lot of us that inside the building that were obviously devastated and angry. <clears throat> Part of what my feelings and my cohort's feelings were when the snowball started to run downhill, it felt like everything good got swallowed up on mm. it. What came out was, you know, horrendous, and <laughs> there's no defending the certain things that were published. Sure. But it felt like for the folks that had nothing to do with that side of it, everything that was good that we tried to do for the community or the club also got swept into that. Mm. And so whether it was bringing the royals here or making our presence felt or celebrating certain moments, players and things like that, that also went away. with everything and so we're all hurt because what came to light we felt didn't represent certain employees and just the club in itself and so elliot and i got to talking on the bus um and the flight to portland and he brought attention to this document that tony and he had been working on for months and i was like this is perfect you know we have to make a statement like as as the remaining staff we have to let people know that what they're reading, what people are going to remember about us does not actually reflect the people that make the blood pump and circulate in this organization. And so we put together some graphics and it just didn't feel right. Like everything was too fresh. Everything was too, uh, what's the right word? Everything just, the timing wasn't right. It didn't feel what we had put together was substantial enough like it was just going to be a shot into the emptiness the vastness we're going to yell into the void and then people are going to forget about it right and so we sat on it and we made do and we made it through the end of the year and we just kind of took a deep breath a collective sigh and during the course of the off season as everybody was reflecting tony and elliot brought the document back up and i was like huh let's let's take a dive into it let's read it and once you started to read it and get into the bones of it and start to fill everything in, you're like, okay, this is something that we can all support. We can all get behind. We're like, let's leave no stone unturned. Mm. Let's make sure it's covering everything that you want. And once those guys had flushed everything out, they just brought it to me to make everything look pretty. <laughs> That's a joke <laughs> that, I'm, that, I, that I make. And so 
got David Dryden involved, um, who has been just tremendous in his mm. growth in his time here. Um, uh, I've known David since he was still going to school and also working uh, with RSL. And so he took a dive into it and he made a hundred page document. Cause what most people don't know is like, there's an extra 75 pages right. to the RSL way. That's just soccer specific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also designed. And I've and joked so. with those guys like, Hey, when do I get to see the, you know, the left back parameters so that I can, you know, train exactly and so you can <laughs> see where the ball's supposed to go you can see what kind of player they're looking for kind of like um attributes they're looking for yeah. from like the academy on it's it's very intensive and it's really impressive what they put together but that biggest part that we had to do and understand as we were discussing it amongst ourselves was once we put this out there people are going to poke holes into it yeah like we are so invested in in this we are so invested in because we truly believe it and that's the best part about it is that this document is actually something that for my opinion we all have felt since we were hired in into this organization like yeah. it's the manifestation of like the kind of aura the like us against the world chip on our shoulder sure. little real salt lake against everybody else yeah. you know uh and it finally feels like this is something a solid ground of like oh yeah when i talk about this amongst my co-workers or I talk about this with my people at home like this is what we stand for this is what we mean and we just started breaking it down and make it consumable in a way that it's hard for folks to pay attention to something that's longer than three minutes you know <laughs> well, and, it's a, and it's an evolving so many of the ideas in the RSL way are there's room for evolution right as the club grows as the as the league grows as the sport grows. That's twenty twenty one in in itself. Yeah. Like we're constantly competing against old ideals and trying to make it make it more modern and fit a bigger slice of the pie. Because when it comes down to it, like you know, I make the joke where certain documents that are ironclad you know people wrote them with wood teeth mm -hmm. <laughs> that's a great analogy <laughs> and so this is a document that's meant to adapt 10 years down the road 15 years down the road just because the times are going to be different the game's going to be different this community is going to be different and mm. it has to not only reflect core values that are everlasting but also right. be modified to the current situation because like in 20 you're like from digital media to ethics to policy everything's different than it was 10 years ago let alone five oh my like gosh. when you brought me in and walked me in the door what there was no such thing as tiktok there's no <laughs> such thing <laughs> as um you know these giant tech companies that have kind of taken over our communication mm -hmm. so the way that you have to deliver and be held accountable is you know, is going to change even more yeah. rapidly than it has in the last five, six years. It's crazy how fast everything's changed. And, and that's been a theme as we've had different types of guests here on Bleeding Claret and Cobalt is, you know, whether you're a fan, whether you're a player, an executive, or, um, you know, a journalist, how do you, how do you communicate? Like, because today we're all just completely bombarded. Um, so I want to kind of go back to... And it, it has to do with attention span, right? And, and you know, you and I met when you were a producer over at, at ABC4. And 
maybe we can divulge your <laughs> secret of how you created HD vines because <laughs> those were the things that really were magical and sent shockwaves across Major League Soccer. Oh, man. That, that brings me back. And it's to almost like, like those are ready to come back around, right? Because oh. the attention span is now... Well, to me, TikTok is the best attributes of Snapchat, Instagram, Stories, and Vine all combined. Really? So that's the one thing that TikTok has over everybody else. It's not just a dance instruction? No. The thing <laughs> that TikTok has is um, is it's a communication platform, and it's the only platform that we have that people will turn the sound on. Mm. That's why like these brands and these music companies are so invested is because most folks just watch a video on Twitter without actually opening it up, right? No, they yeah. just watch it yeah. and they're hoping that there's closed captioning or there's something like that. <laughs> yeah. And what TikTok does is it allows people to either hit you with like the, I call it the IG stories, kind of like text in important places yeah. or open it up because there is dance or you're looking at certain type of like adding to whatever the video is. Like Delia, who runs our TikTok account, just posted a great video that I think at last count was at like 500,000 views or something, wow. something crazy like that about Kyle getting a red card in San Jose in his last game in the MLS's back uh, tournament where he kicked the ball at the ref. And so the audio is um, from Dumb and Dumber where it's like, sorry, Mr. Perfect. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> and so, like, when you add up just a melt cut of the broadcast, which is the video, but yeah. you add the audio, it just adds that extra effect. And so that's the difference is that platform came around from my attention about 18 months ago. Okay. And I sat there and I watched it and I watched it and a few of the people that I trust in the SMM world, as it's known in um on hashtags and twitter like they were like it's going to take off it's going to take off and then you saw the growth and then it started to hit the mainstream now that's where everybody is yeah. uh from a younger generation because they're always looking for ways to communicate that's different than the past right and back in 2012 2013 I was in local news and I saw it changing right and I was like how am I going to get ahead of the curve because people aren't waiting around for the 10 p.m. news cycle just to watch local sports. And that's what I was doing. I was running the sports department out there with Old Wes and Dana. Yeah. Shout out to the legends. Yeah. Um, and some guy named Trey Fitzgerald walked in, and he wanted to do an RSL TV show because that's what the contract was. And I was like, okay, let's, <laughs> sure, let's do this. I've always wanted to make a TV show. And so I got introduced to Brian Dunseth and Bill Riley and Trey Fitzgerald and – we made something that was lacking, I guess you could say, for the market. I always, from my perspective on local news, I think it's very important. And I think that markets like Oklahoma City, Salt Lake, um, Portland, for the better parts of it, Kansas City, mm. you're always going to have the investment and the need for local markets and local sports and local weather and local news because it's not covered frequently on a consistent basis by the big right conglomerates the espns the fox sports ones la you're going to see laker highlights no matter sure. where you're at you're going to get your yankees you're going to get your red Sox. you're going to get your new york football giants all that kind of stuff you look at how espn covered the jazz's last 11 game win streaks like that went viral a little bit it was always about luca drops 26 yep. Yep. jazz win by 10 yep. <laughs> you know like it was never about the jazz so <clears throat> here you know if you 
don't have ESPN or you don't have Xfinity because the Jazz TV deal's bad. Uh, sorry, I said that no. out loud, but it's a true thing. Because uh, I can't watch the sure. Jazz. Like, not even when they're on NBA TV. The only time I get to watch them is when they're on TNT, TNT or ESPN. So I was sitting there looking around. And uh, in 2012, 2013, 2014, while we had the TV contract, that was when RSO was kind of at its apex. Right. Because the Jazz were down. Uh, there's a big four here. I'll take a step back. There's a big four. Utah football, BYU football, Jazz, RSL. Right. No matter what time during the year, if some big news happens for those four, people are going to turn away from whatever is happening in their day, pay attention, and then go back to right. the days. So I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, huh, how can I deliver this kind of information as somebody that's covering all four of those that's different than what we're doing on the local TV? And that's where I turned to social media. Okay. And so I started to utilize the ABC4 Twitter and Facebook pages and started to kind of basically do some beta testing. What is it that we can post that folks will tune into? Whether it's jazz highlights, whether it's Travis Wilson, whether it's Taysom Hill, yeah, or whether it's, you know, what RSL's doing. And it kind of perfectly merged in 2013 with that Renaissance run that they all had mm. going to two finals and, you know, being third in the West. And me having the attention of just the generic sports fan, because everybody loves a winner. Sure. And a lot of endless nights figuring out how to write code to get this damn, damn HD video from my editing software on my laptop to my phone to post to Vine. Because everything I was seeing was just somebody flipping up their phone, which yeah. is fine. We're getting used to it. But I'm a snob at heart. Yeah, like, sure. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a video pretentious snob. <laughs> like, that was my craft. I was like, I want to see it crystal clear. Right. I want to see it perfectly. And finally, it was Chivas USA. Okay. <laughs> That's what happened. Rest in peace. Yeah. Is, uh, there was a through ball to Kyle Beckerman, and he slotted it home. It was an ugly game, but he finally put the game away. 2-0. Scored, ran around the goal to the south section. And he ran right past me, and he was pointing, and he grabbed his crest. Right. And then Luke Mahalan came up, and they did the little, like— uh, Oh, I remember. Know, yeah. yeah. They did the little bandit. The little bandit, uh, the, western— Yeah, the western bandits, okay. you know, like they were robbing a train. <laughs> and so— Pre-mask days. I turn that around. I send it off. We do the 1030 hit. And I'm like, man, this is a great shot. Like, how— And so I go back home, and I'm just sitting there just, like, trying to write this code, trying to write this code— happened just like that and i was like oh, oh my god i did it i did it and i posted it and i even wrote it was like 1 in the morning and i tagged at real salt lake in it and i think the caption was like i finally figured out how to get hd video to vine <laughs> and real salt lake retweeted it at like 1 30 in what the morning what a psycho yeah somebody's up at 1 30 in the morning i'm like wow and there it goes and i started to see the comments that make me chuckle now when i watch uh the nfl broadcast because they're doing like the uh, gimbals with like, yeah. the uh, dslrs or the mirrorless cameras oh that's that 8k 4k <laughs> vision oh i'm living in the future i was getting that in 2012 2013 with just the h just these <laughs> hd vines you know, ask my boy bean mace out there like that's right he still texts me that like we, you got that iphone 413 or something <laughs> like that and so i was like oh this is this and is how long was that clip 20 uh, seconds? Six. Six seconds. That's, that's right. Vine, Vine is six seconds. Wow. That's all you got. And it just looped. And the best part about the Vine aspect is it loops. And so you catch yourself that's actually right. being stuck for 20 seconds. Mm. And you're investing. And it's something that I've taken forward with all of our digital metrics is I don't care about clicks. I care about time spent. Sure. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. would I rather have uh, a video that gets a million views, but people only stick around for five seconds, or would I want a half a million views where people stick around for the full three minutes? Sure. The second choice yeah. every day of the week. And so I saw the success with the Kyle Beckerman video. And for me, which was still a very small soccer world, especially digitally, it's a, right. it's growing its footprint because it's more global now. But like here, I was like, huh, it did that one did well. What happens if I do this about Steph Curry? And then Yahoo would pick it up and right. it'd be on the front page of Yahoo News. And I was like, huh. And then Travis Wilson would beat USC and then yeah. Pac-12 picks it up. I'm like, huh, this is starting to work. I'm like, this is the shift because now... I'm delivering things that people want to see at the times that they're willing to see them. Mm. And it's not waking up in the next day reading the newspaper. It's not the five o'clock news when right. somebody's out at the grocery store. It's not at 1030 where old man me is now asleep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like it's you're delivering things when people want them and that's real time. And I think that's the difficulty of what we're dealing with now is everything's real time. There is no off switch. And now you have to find a different balance. Well, and I was going to ask, so how hard is it? And I know it's hard, but making these decisions in real time in the scope of, you know, an MLS season is 10 mm -hmm. months. Um, a game is two hours. A TV broadcast is three hours. And yet in a, in a league, a sport, in which most teams are still pretty strapped for resources, right? You got to mm -hmm. be efficient. Yet you're trying to create engaging content that breaks through the clutter to several different channels and demographics and mediums, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you how do you triage all that, I guess, is sort of my fascinating uh, or my fascination with what you have done so well. So game day is always going to be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes I in past moments we've forgotten that and yeah. that's the part that i always try to bring i think it's been a twofold fight for me when i got here and i was talking to you i was like we got to make it so these guys stop feeling like super mythical creatures that just show up on saturdays and kick balls and go home <laughs> right because that's how it felt that's sure. how real salt like felt to yeah. me when i first got here in 2015 it's like nobody knew about what Cole Grossman was doing in his off days. Like yeah, nobody sure. knew what um, Hamas and Alave was doing uh, like with his family, like or Kyle or Nick. Like yeah. people knew Kyle liked to go fish and that's right. about it, yeah. about Kyle. And like Aaron, Nick was a family man. And part of that was by design, but part of it was we never actually told the stories around mm -hmm. them. So it's like, there's gotta be more to winning because sure. when the winning stopped, yeah. it felt like the brand was really exposed yeah. and open. You need that connection. Yeah. Now, what we have to realize is like we can tell all these big stories and all these things. And I think that's very important because of how the investment in the community and the investment in the people and making these guys feel normal. But we also have to leverage that they're going to really like this Pablo story if Pablo also helps them win 2-0 on Saturday. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like like Demir is an absolute legend already yeah. in Real Salt Lake. But he would be less of a legend if he wasn't as good as Demir is. You know, like that goal in LAFC mm -hmm. extends his legend for him coming and making sure my, every time he sees me, like, hey, how's your girl? How's the dogs? Like all that kind of stuff yeah. just adds to his legend. Even though there are certain players that do the same thing, they're just not playing. Right. So like that's the balance, right? Because sure. like you're only a club legend when you add up all the factors together. 
And there's a there's some times where like, man, we just weren't entertaining for some of the stretches, and that's okay. Like the only teams that ever win forever, not even the Patriots. Right. You know, the San Antonio Spurs, twenty one seasons or something like that, making yeah. the playoffs. Like, yeah. So you got to leverage game day because people want to see the highlights. They want to see what's happening. They want to know what's going on right now. That's why House of Highlights is so popular. Sure. Is you know Omar did something where he was like. There's so much noise going around. I just want to see the highlights. Let's make that happen. So you got to pick and choose what you're doing and know where people are at during the actual moment because every platform's different. Right. Like it's not a one size fits all. Mm. And I think when 2015, 2016 was at, it was like, oh, I'm just going to cut this video and I'm going to post it to the site and I'm going to post it to YouTube and I'm going to post it to right. Twitter and I'm going to post it to Instagram. And like you started to see the reactions to the different things where like for a little bit, Instagram became a video platform and now everybody's just going back to photos because that's what people expect and want to see right. out of it. And now Instagram's trying to keep people from posting posts to their stories. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I, it's, but it's like everything's same, evolutionary. And that's the same thing with fleets. Is when the last time you used fleets, right? Like you can't even link outside of it. So all you're doing is just making sure that people like, see hey, DM me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that that's the way you have to that we look at it is we know for the most part our live action coverage is going to be on the broadcast and the stream, which we have like the third biggest ratings again mm. for everybody's like we have a very accessible local broadcast product. Sure. And we know that the diehards for us are going to be on Twitter interacting right. with the broadcast or they're going to be waiting for things to be posted after the fact. And so I, people always give us flack because I started to change things, I think 2016, 2017, where I took off the lineups from Instagram. And I had a big argument with you about it you're like we have to post and i'm like sorry you're gonna have to be more specific yeah, i don't remember this particular yeah, yeah. and argument. i was like <laughs> i was like people aren't going to instagram for our lineups yeah they're just not well and i think my mindset as an old man was like oh well what we do on twitter is what like what we do on broadcast and tw like we we try to and again this is in the name of being efficient and probably mm -hmm. not understanding how we individually serve audiences or how we break mm -hmm. through clutter so i'm sorry no, but then I was like, that's not what they're there for, Nick. If that's the only thing that we post, because we... Yeah, because IG's zero. not news, is I think yeah. basically what you told me. Uh-huh. It's not, like, and they were changing their logarithm where it wasn't just um, uh, based off of the latest post. They they changed it where it's right. like, we're delivering it to you now instead yeah. of it just being sequential. The almighty algorithm. Yeah, the almighty algorithm. I was like, this is mostly for our brand. That's what Instagram is. It's like mm. our cool factor. Mm -hmm. Like, check out these beautiful photographs that we have. And that it was about the same time because me and you had a couple of contentious fights. And it was about the same time I tried to yell at you. I was like, no more cell phone <laughs> photos on Instagram. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like stop stop yeah, that we have professional photos let's use those and you're like but it's a cool photo you know how like, you won the argument yeah you changed the password i did yeah, <laughs> I did. that was my that was my uh i i hate to use the word it's but, the iron uh, hammer yeah you know you had to drop the hammer every once in a while <laughs> and you can because even twitter nowadays like i have uh, right now if you go if you work for the company and you ask me like a new salesman comes on on the partnership team. They're like, hey, can you send me the social media rules? I have an 18-page document <laughs> that is, is the, I call them the guidelines because okay. it's always evolving. Sure. And I say, here it is. And it's a breakdown of what 
Facebook is in our audience, what Twitter is in our audience, what posts work, what don't work. There's a game day schedule. There's a non-game day mm, schedule. Sure. There's examples laid out for you for Instagram, website, and now TikTok. I eliminated Snapchat because Snapchat's just... Yeah. You, you got to pick and choose. And I think really there's a, there's a big four plus the YouTube and the website. And that's a lot to manage. How do us. you how do you resist the urge to jump onto viral pop culture moments, or how do you how do you determine which are worth you know replicating and which are, are having a little fun with, as opposed to uh, just trying to look like you're you have to have playing a con- catch up. You have to have a connection yeah. to me. Yeah. Like uh, sometimes people think that when there's a big type of event, life event, that, like, everybody needs to have their, like, kind of two cents. Sometimes you, people don't need to hear from us all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, this is something that we discussed with Kobe's passing because it's about a year around. Mm. There was a lot of folks out there that were posting, you know, farewells and tributes to Kobe. Sure. And out of all respect, I totally understood it, got it. The Galaxy and LAFC did something because Kobe was Makes a part sense. of them. Yep. I had a couple of people come to us about doing something for Kobe, and I was like, what's the connection? Yeah. That was my first question. I was like, what What did Kobe or his family do with us that we can honor him? Like, I'm not going to capitalize on a tragedy right. because the whole sports world turned to Kobe. Like, let that man get the tributes that he needs by the people that know him. Sure. For us, it's just, I think it's a capitalization on certain things. Yeah. For us, it's kind of like what we did for the social unrest. You can't just say you're going to do something and then not actually follow up with Mm -hmm. actions and words and things like that. Like there has to be substance behind it. And that's part of the reason why the RSL document, RSL web document came about is because now you can hold us accountable to something. So if we're not fulfilling something that we made a bold statement about, call us out and fix it. Yeah, And that's the way I look at just digital trending in general. With the Dennis Rodman thing, you know, him talking about rebounds and going like mm. this and that and that. <laughs> right. You know, that was the first thing that I thought it was the annexation of Puerto Rico. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, I can tie this in and it's fun and it's lighthearted and no big deal. Yeah. And then there's other trends where maybe it just doesn't fit. Maybe it just doesn't work. But how is it, you know, how it's starting versus how it's going, that sounds like... <laughs> A perfect thing for Aaron Herrera, for, right? Because sure, he was at the RSL Academy, and now he's you know making his U.S. Men's National Team debut, and you can leverage that into stuff that makes sense for your whole mm-hmm. organization's pipeline. So it's patience in an impatient world, in a lot of ways, to figure out that connection, right? To make it powerful and impactful. As for, as for you know, like for us, like the goal going into 2020 was to do quality and quantity mm-hmm. now we have to cut it back to our original is just quality because we only have so many bodies we have yeah. so much stuff to get to and like you only have the attention span on each different platform for so long so what's the what's the life of yeah. what you're going to do that's why the meme started is because like <laughs> sports are hard yeah. and you know the best way for people to like get people's attention outside of your own little bubble is to make something that everybody can relate to in a celebration of winning. Everybody knows what winning feels like. Sure. It's a mood, right? Yeah. Like you're happy. 
That's why the meme started. It's right. just a careless <laughs> amount of fun that we can also tie in and take everybody to have a deep breath and not be so serious all the time yeah. because the internet's a serious place and <laughs> life is serious, but it's not as fun if you can't laugh at yourself or laugh at somebody else. And that's why we do certain things to like shake it up a little bit right. here and there. What are what are some of your favorite, uh, I guess, moments that, that people might remember? Obviously, reference annexation of Puerto Rico. Oh, that was the, that was the first one. Which still always finds new life, right? Because yeah. there's connection and there's quality, and and it's a memorable moment at that at that building, and it took on a life of its own. Uh, that one does because it was my aha moment at okay. Real Salt Lake. Is that was happening we were getting attention because we were doing things on vine it was mm. our first year too that nobody else was doing and we were tying it into twitter which nobody else was doing right. and when that happened i was like i need something snappy i need a caption we were play that was like an <laughs> earlier game and i was just like you know what i'm going for it and i i sent it out and back then we didn't you would live tweet like the run of play right. And I would just be filming, coming back and like updating and you throughout do the, the post game and all that stuff. Right? Yeah, and I would just like come and fill in here and there, right. all that kind of stuff. And like it wasn't a constant. Like I was more worried about the capturing of the content versus actually what we had technology wise, mm. because there was no editing and live cut. We didn't have like the broadcast streams sure. available to us. It was a different world. So I used to leave my phone <laughs> at my desk, which is right next to the tunnel. So I hit. I hit send and I go out there and that's like early first half. It's like the 20 minute mark. Right. By the time I get back for a half time, my phone's dead. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I just, I didn't leave it charging. So I was like, I plug it back in. It's because all my notifications right. had just it taken <laughs> off and gone <laughs> off on this. I was like, oh, aha. If you make it, if you make a connection, then you can like tap into an audience that you know is not necessarily there all the time. And that's mm. what that annexation of Puerto Rico brought into because MLS, Fox Sports, all those right. guys picked it up. I believe you even had to do a correction with like Fox Sports like three days later where it was like a source at Real Salt Lake tells us that the play is not actually called the annexation <laughs> of Puerto Rico. <laughs> I vaguely remember that like it's joke a, over, yeah, over, over the, the people's head. head. So I'm yeah. like, okay. And then the next year we we're doing CONCACAF and we we're the first group to do uh, goal gifts because mm. Plata scored against Tigres, yep. and he had, he had the best goal gift, which is great, next to Luke Mulholland, who did, like, the barrel roll. <laughs> but, like, the goal gift of him dancing, like, took off because we were the only game on that night. And so that became a thing. And people were like, oh, so these guys are doing video where you see it literally, like, four minutes from the run of play. So we were uploading it before, like, Fox Sports could upload their broadcast mm. content. You would see something like our video from the field of play right, uploaded, right. cut, HD, go for it, and then the goal gift. Yep. And so by the next year, everybody else had goal gifts. They had figured it out. It took everybody a year to figure out mm -hmm. how to upload them, but mm -hmm. we beat them first. And then we're like, okay, what's the next thing that we're going to do? And then we did slow-mo video. That's always a cool thing. Uh, we started calling Nick Ramondo the GOAT, yeah. you know, before it caught on because we needed something there. Um we took a story, you know, the one that I'll never, ever forget is a 2018 World Cup final day between France and uh, Croatia. And every single soccer show and news show was covering Mike Pecky's rant on the World Cup final wow. game day. 
because the day before was the the game in Minnesota. The game in Minnesota. The I don't care anymore. Yeah, when he went back, got on the headset <laughs> after he had trashed the Gatorade cooler or whatever on the sideline. Like I will never. Like I'm watching. I uh, I'm in the basement at my in-laws because we had bought a house and rented it back to the original homeowners because their house wasn't done building. Mm. So it's Sunday. I'm in my in-laws basement by myself watching the world cup after getting home at like three o'clock in the morning, cutting everything. And then it's like 10 o'clock in the morning and there's our video on Fox. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, well, okay, this is working. Like this is, this is taking off and it's not something that you ever plan when Mm. you do something, when you do go viral, because that's the worst strategy. Like, it makes me chuckle when people are like, how do we make this go viral? I was like, that's not a strategy. No, exactly. <laughs> like, that's just something that happens to, you know, go like it just happens, you know, that's why you got to have some fun with it. Like you got to like, like Becky Sauerbrunn and the cat in 2019, right? <laughs> yeah. That like, was fun and for that, a minute. Yeah. It's it, like, these are big moments that catch on a life of its own because there's going to be plays that are just jaw-dropping. And you just, you know, you happen to catch it, you happen to be there. And then there's the strategy of being able to tie in something that's fun and relatable. That's why memes are a thing. It's because it's relatable to somebody that, you know, may watch soccer or may not watch soccer, but they all can feel disappointment or celebration or, you know, they all know what what certain music makes them feel. And things like that. So I guess there's two two ideas that I, I'd love your input or your perspective on is where is the place for long form or longer form storytelling and how different is it than probably what we used to consider? Because when Nick Lamping started in 2012 or whatever, you know, we were doing five and six minute videos that were compelling. Um, and, you know, that fed off maybe a little bit of what Scott Riddell and the league had done with our Champions League run in, in 2011, and then alternatively, who do you look to or who do you think is the best at kind of pushing everything forward and pushing that envelope and, you know, without knowing anything? I, I assume it's the NBA, but maybe that's just because I consume so much, and this is what Ryan and I were talking about earlier today, is like I I didn't pay attention to the NBA forever. Steph Curry kind of got me back into it. The team I grew up loving, the Nuggets are good, and the team where I live now, the Jazz are good. So I'm like, I'm watching, you know, Rob Perez, Worldwide Wob Periscopes, and I'm listening to pods. But obviously, you know, you're seeing these amazingly athletic, whether it's dunks, but then yesterday, you know, it's Kyle Lowry and and Aaron uh, Gordon scuffling it up. So whatever. Like, I just would love to see or hear your thoughts on maybe where things are going along with how do we break through the clutter and then how do we celebrate longer form storytelling so everything doesn't feel like it's a flash in the pan, I guess. Well, our my big thing that I preach is like, are you making something that'll make people stop scrolling? Mm. Like, because we're conditioned to scroll. Sure. Like literally most of us, even in bed, just <laughs> scroll through until we're done and then we shut it down. Yeah. What the worst thing you can do as a brand, in my opinion, is post something that you know people are just going to go right on by. So is it a dynamic image? Is it your caption? What is it? Like, what is wrong with that post that you just did? Why is it getting 
X amount less views. Got it. Let's just learn from it. Okay, cool. No big deal. Mistakes happen. You got to test some stuff out. I love what Clemson's doing. Ty mm. out there, he comes from BYU. I've been a big fan uh, for years. What they do on their YouTube side of things, uh, the best hire that MLS internally has made, and it's not just on the team side, is Alex out in Chicago. What uh, He has totally revolutionized their social stuff. Um, okay. I really, really enjoy what he's doing. Um, Austin's been really good. Um, the team that they're accruing out there. Uh, for a long time, I said that <clears throat> MLS had only had only really had one brand in the entire league, and that was the Galaxy. Okay. They're the gold standard. Like you know what the Galaxy sure. kind of is, like their look, their feel. I think everybody's kind of taking a page out of um, Brendan and Chris's book mm. and started to self-identify what means from a look, a feel, and just a uh, club ethos perspective. Yeah. LAFC now has a look. You know what an sure. LFC post is. Uh, Atlanta has a look. Um, I think uh, everybody's modifying it. You know, I don't love everything like that certain folks do, but I think you know what an RSL post is now. I think sure. we have kind of a brand kind of uh, look, feel, and a levity that other folks might not have. And that's the part about social media is like it's entertainment, it's information, it's news, it's education, it's um, and it's style and it's also fun. And I think fun has to be a part of that. Like it's OK. You can ask anybody, especially the guy that's over there in that booth right next to us. It's like they've heard me before say it's OK to have fun on social. <laughs> it's OK to laugh. It's, well, it's okay. funny because that's a lot of what Hannon was doing when he started in the, at the Galaxy, before mm -hmm. I think they really knew, they they used to tweet a lot, and I think it's actually Chris Thomas as well, just being like, soccer is fun. Yeah. Soccer is fun. And I know you certainly have embraced that. Oh, yeah. And Jenny did wonders over there. She's still the GOAT. Um, she doesn't work in the league anymore, but um, but neither does Ben Crooks anymore. But yeah. Jenny is, you know, what she was able to do and leverage the situation in high-pressure moments. That's why... The thing that we did against LAFC, the you know, I had that in our back pocket for the home opener, where the that, uh, yeah. where the light yeah, goes the, off yeah. on CL on the, the hat or whatever. Because the first thing yeah. the way my brain works when that stupid lift up of their head, <laughs> and I'm like, come on, like somebody has to see that, somebody has to make a joke about it. And Kayla up in Portland did, yeah. like they raised the hat and the, like there's an L underneath the hat, yeah. like that's who was wearing it. And I was like, oh, she beat us to it. Like I guess I'm just never going to be able to use this. And then lo and behold, we get the playoffs and we knew that that all eyeballs were there. Nobody expected us to win. So as soon as that happens, sure. I tweeted this out when we were doing the flashbacks. It's like, <clears throat> if you watch the broadcast, you can see me literally standing in the middle of the field, typing <laughs> out, <laughs> like typing it out. Furiously. Like, and and was, I knew it. Like I've been through it. I was like, once I hit go on this, people are going to chuckle. Mm. And it led us into like even the karate kid thing yep. that we did. And it became like our locker room knows like, I got guys and, like, our players are like, this is a good one. You know, the last couple haven't been that great, but this was a good one. Like, everybody loves the Star Wars one. People love the uh, Karate Kid crane kick where yep. he put Dommy's head, you know, sure. on Daniel's son. And with, especially because we made fun of Benny Fellhaber, you know. Always so, like, a, a Always a too. classic good yeah. one. But that's part of it where yeah, you, you can't always just be about memes. You can't always just be about long-term storytelling, but like everything has its place mm. because what I think our club has done very well is like we're a very polished professional account. 
we don't put out ugly pictures. We right. just don't. Like, we don't put out ugly videos with jump cuts and things like that. Like, Lamb Steels, Roscoe Sky, mm. Anthony, um, <laughs> uh, Laura now. Like, all those guys have, are so good at what they do. They're real, true professionals. Sure. Like, when you give them a platform to show off their skills, that's why people will watch a seven-minute video on Becky Sauerbrunn. Right. That's why people will invest themselves in something like the Young Living series because I'm very proud of what they did over the 2018 World Cup and leveraged all that situation uh, for the women, our 2019 World Cup. And I'm really proud of what everything we did for the Royals because we built that up and delivered news and video and entertainment to an audience that was just dying for it. Sure. Before we got to the NWSL, you couldn't find consistent coverage of the teams. And Absolutely. I th- and I think that's what we delivered and we did that changed the way that MWSL does it. Yeah, it really did. And I think that's part of why I'm still stinging is not only, you know, was I there and I knew all the work that went in, but we legitimized so much of what the NWSL was trying to mm-hmm. do from from Deloitte pulling them out of Kansas City, giving them a professional environment, us treating them um, like, you know, with the world-class athletes that they are mm-hmm. in every way, shape, or form in our communication strategy. Um, how they walk away from 10,000 fans a game is still never going to make sense to me. I guess I understand maybe their impatience in December or whenever that was, but Mm -hmm. still absolutely uh, ridiculous. And hopefully there is a chance for the NWSL to return here in, uh, in 2023 under whatever the new, uh, ownership group is. The part of the trust that you build and like in 2018, Delia and Bobby were with RSL. Then they went everywhere they mm-hmm. went. And Roscoe and Sky went everywhere the Royals went. Right. That's where you get all these kind of things that people want to see and is the access and then the trust that you build yeah. where it's not just about doing something that's good for the club. You're trying to tell and enhance the professionalism for these players themselves. Sure. And the more you feel comfortable with the players and the players feel comfortable with you the more you're going to get the true authentic self that people want to see that's what people are on social media for is like they want to know that you know why becky's a cat person over a dog person (laughs) you know they they want to know uh about pablo's little miniature bulldog that will dribble the balloon up and around and stuff like that they want to know what uh, Justin Glad and the uh, the crazy house is doing with Tate and Aaron, like all those guys. Like they want to know these things. Like they want to know what these guys make them tick because maybe, just maybe, that's part of what makes you tick. And then that right. creates a diff- like a deeper connection sure. with the club. And and you know, I've always been an advocate of of access and behind the scenes because I feel like as soccer, we needed that point of differentiation. Mm-hmm. We needed to turn these what used to be alternative mediums into essentially our sports talk radio, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not getting generally uh, the sport is not getting the mainstream coverage that we all believe it deserves, but the models are all falling apart and breaking and not being put back together quickly enough. So that's a roundabout way of me wondering in a COVID environment, how challenging has it been creatively and how difficult is it for you and your team to continue creating that connection and celebrating those types of moments or access to the players and and telling their off-field stories as well as uh, what drives them? The hardest part is like, at the end of the day, we're living in a global pandemic and not, Mm -hmm. it's not fun. (laughs) Like I wake up in a bad mood some days. Like 
Yeah. Athletes are human too. So some days like they don't want you to be around and mm. that's part of the gig. And part of it is we're getting tested every other day and like safety protocols are just giving them their space and only certain amount of people are allowed in certain areas. And you don't want to show something that, you know, could potentially be harmful for that person or the club sure. itself. One of the best things that we ever did, even though, you know, Nedham's a big jerk and you know, don't <laughs> believe anything that uh, anybody tells you about that story of that guy, because he did punch me the first time he ever met me right in the face. But I digress. Anyway, it was that when he came here and we were doing his interview, he was like, who did all the all access? And it was me and Delia standing there. And I was like, this one right here. And he was like, I love those. When I was coming over here, they, I watched them all. That's how I knew about the club. It was like he went on YouTube. He found the all access pieces. Wow. And that's how he started to assimilate the personalities and what the club was all about. He's like, are you guys going to continue to do that? And I was like, we're filming one right now. <laughs> He's like, great. I you love smile, those things. Smile, you're on candid camera. Yeah. Like, and so when that moment happened, it was like, aha, what we're doing is different. Right. And what we learned in 2018, what I learned, because we had no idea what we were doing. Let's just be honest, because we had never run three teams. We had never, right. like, I burned everybody out. Like, Well, I, I, I tell people that it was May. You know, we were a month into the Royal season. I was like, okay, I'm ready for this year to be over yeah. now. And you still had till November, basically. But we were running 100 miles an hour because we believed in what we were doing. Right. And what I learned that year is... We just thought to scale was just, oh, what we're doing on the RSL, we'll just do for Royals and we'll just do times two. No big deal. But then we had the Academy opening mm -hmm. <laughs> and we had changes in the broadcast and we had changes in content and changes in priorities. And we burned everybody to the ground, myself mm -hmm. included, over and over again. And learning the lessons that we did about how to manage people on what is an A event Right. Versus what is like, oh, this one person can cover this. This will happen. We'll get what we need and we can move on and everybody else can take a deep breath is the biggest thing that I learned. And I don't think I'll ever have as talented group to work with ever again. Yeah, that was a special group. <laughs> it was man. a very special group. You look what Roscoe's doing and how successful he's been since he left and where Sky has landed on her feet. And I can't wait to watch what Sky's going to do for Chicago. Yeah. And we got one working for the Obamas, you know, that used to. <laughs> yeah, Lauren is amazing. <laughs> and then uh, you got people all over the place just, like, being successful. And that was a special group about, I guess, you know, when everybody rows the boat, it all moves in the right direction. Yeah. But you have to trust your people and you say, hey, and as a creative, don't put a box around them. Give them direction. Give them feedback. But don't make yourself too involved. Because you have to let the person that's building the connection with the story or building the connection with the person to actually tell what is happening authentically. Because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. And the only way that you're truly going to get the type of product that not only are you proud of, but the audience desires is by having talented people and trusting them, yeah. letting them do their thing. And without you being a micromanager. Right. And part of that is saying, okay, here's the video that you did. Well, we got to cut 30 seconds off and format it this way because it's going to do better on Twitter. Mm. And here's the elongated version for the yep. website and YouTube. And now what we're doing is being able to tie everything in a way where if we have this wonderful story about 
Tazara King is making sure it goes out in the same time and gets played on the RSL broadcast. Right. And then you can push it to the website sure. and then you can get a snippet on IG that links to it. Yeah. And then you can see it on the YouTube channel. And then the Twitter, depending on the length, you can play that whole thing. You got to understand that sometimes a 30 second video on Twitter that links to the whole thing yeah. is going to do better sure. than this seven minute video. Yeah. Like people aren't there for seven minutes on Twitter. They're there for the headlines and then they move on. People aren't there all the time right. on Instagram to watch. Like, I don't watch Instagram TV. That's the dumbest thing that they've done. Like, <laughs> and you look at the you look at the statistics and the analytics. If you post an IG story TV or like a link over there, those numbers do substantially worse mm -hmm. than they do uh, if just like a normal post. Yeah. And so you like that's the thing is you're going to figure out your audience wants certain things and certain people only visit YouTube or your website because that's what they're looking for. And it's not a one size fits all. And right. you have to be humble enough to realize that you're not always going to have the answers and to see what other people are doing and how they're doing it successfully. Sure. Um, we could talk about so many things all day long and I can't wait to have you on again when we get a little closer to, you know, somewhere in the middle of preseason probably or the season, what what are you hopeful for for 2021 in this season and what what is driving your creative juices and your optimism which I think we always have for teams in this league because it is such a a parity driven league regardless of what your salary budget is. Uh my optimism is Reestab like we've talked about it since I walked in the door. At some point, mm. there was going to be no Kyle, no Nick, no Javi. We've reached that point. Yeah, like Justin Glad and I are the longest tenured people at RSL. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like we're tied at the hip. Yeah. Justin is the longest tenured person in that locker room, yeah. and I laugh. That's he's, fascinating. He's twenty. I hadn't put all those uh, dots together. He's twenty three, and he's the longest tenured. Yeah, One hundred sixty games. Yeah. yeah, and so like. It's a new era, like a true new yeah. era, and somebody is going to take the reins and own this market. Yep. We just don't know who it is. Right. And you have somebody like Aaron Herrera who's making names for himself. You have somebody like Albert that's going to go play at the Euros. Sure. Like, I don't know if the Olympics is still happening, but Aaron, David, and yep. possibly Justin can go play that. Um, you have some new exciting talents coming through, where, you know, and then you got the quote-unquote old reliable Demir yeah. like there's the possibilities are endless and that's the thing about sports and why live tv is mm. fun is because you tr like that's why they play the game yeah. you know like you never know what's going to happen and I'm excited to get to know the personalities uh invest in the resources and the people that we have and put our best foot forward because like the kindness the human aspect of the club is is back yeah. it's there and i think um that's the most fun thing that i'm looking forward to is just knowing that there's a lot of people that have poured their hearts and souls into this place and we, they have been successful in spite of all the roadblocks in mm -hmm. front of them sure but man can you imagine how fun and how good and how awesome things are going to be when those roadblocks are removed and that's what everybody's excited about so Great having you here, man. Uh, so well said on many, many fronts. Um, next time, we'll talk about the friction between uh, creativity and authenticity and monetizing all of that. And then um, I'll make you the king of 
media for a day and you can build the new 2030 sports television model for, Ooh, for the world. So that's going to be an interesting one here. Uh, but one last thing before we go, or I'd be remiss because um, Ryan uh, told me I had to talk about this. Uh, the lineup graphic. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we got to get into that. The lineup graphic is uh, is is a thing I've been personally attacking, as you guys all know, for years. <laughs> Mostly because... Uh, because of personal attacks coming yes, to you. And I honestly just hate pineapple on pizza. That's why we oh, did that one. Come on, um, is that when it came down to it, we had a coach who's no longer here. She now works at uh, U.S. Soccer. Did not like the lineup graphic because she was superstitious. Mm. So it started with that individual. She would yell at us, put Kristen up at the nine because I'm tired of reading comments on Twitter about right. why Kristen isn't playing the nine. <laughs> so that's that's where it all started. So I was like, okay. I it's all emotional manipulation. Yeah, and at the end of the day, coaches yep. and the team side, whatever they think is an edge, sure. they're going to take it, right? Yep. Like, And there is a there's a time and a place for somebody like me to argue with the head coach. And what I learned, the time and the place on the RSL side wasn't 90 minutes before kickoff right. in LAFC. Because that's what happened is Mike Pecky called and said, I can't give you the lineup in the normal graphic because we're not playing that lineup. And I was like, well, tell me what kind of formation you're playing and I'll yeah. put the graphic in there. And he goes, no, I don't want LAFC to know. Because he didn't want to lie to the fans and he didn't also want to tip his competitive hand. Yeah, because he was playing a Christmas tree lineup in L.A., Three center backs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so uh, while we're having this debate, it's literally 90 minutes before he's going out there to play Carlos Vela and Bob Bradley. I think to myself, do I really want to sit here and start arguing with Mike Pecky before he's yeah. supposed to go out and actually, you know, coach the guys? Got to pick a battle. Got to pick a battle. So I just sat on it and I just put it like I think we just put it in a list. Yeah. Alphabetical and every, or numerical? Numerical. And everybody was all up in arms and <laughs> angry. And I was like, well, that didn't go well. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking to myself. But I looked at it and I was like, did it really make a difference? Did it really change anything? And so we put it all away. People were upset on the old social medias. Mm -hmm. And then it was a conversation we revisited as a group, the creative group and the coaches, like we do every off season, we go over things. Mm -hmm. What worked for the locker room? What didn't work for the locker room? Right. And they, the first thing that Mike and Laura bring up are the lineup graphics. Because, <laughs> of course, they did. I'm like, all right. Because sure. there's not bigger fish to fry. Oh, but that's um, just my perspective. And they said, we're going to change our tactics. We're going to change things on a consistent basis. We don't want this graphic yeah. anymore to be shown in formation. And I'm like, all right. To be successful, I'm going to concede. This is a negotiation. Yeah. You guys can have that. We're going to continue to be in the locker room. We're going to continue to travel. We're going to continue to have our access. Everything going up. Oh, yeah, everything's fine. Sky's great. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, great. Bob's great. Everybody's, everybody's good. We trust them all. Do, do what you want. That's literally the meeting we had. You guys are great. Just change the lineup graphics. So that's why. it's We're conceding to our yep. head coaches in our front office. Sure. That's why the lineup graphics are the way they are. I understand the debate and the point for introducing new individuals mm -hmm. this is the formation this is how they like to play but guys here's the big thing that i don't understand the frustration just wait 30 more minutes and have 
watch the pregame show. Well, Donnie will tell you exactly how funny. they're going to play. Yeah, no. There's other <laughs> exactly. ways and there's other places to get it. And so during my time in Europe, when I was dealing with mm-hmm. Christian Ziege, a very accomplished guy, obviously, yeah. um, I think uniquely experienced in managing world-class soccer, football, and the needs of a, of a unique fan proposition. The compromise that I was able to reach with him was, hey, an hour before the game, you do the alphabetical or the whatever, the numerical, mm-hmm. and then at kickoff, we send out the tactical. And maybe the tactical wasn't always spot on, but again, what, what I used to argue with people on Twitter was, hey, the tactical is good for the kickoff, and then it kind of evolves, right? Whether you're in possession, attacking, defending, whatever. But that's, again, part of the nuance and part of the education. And I'll channel my inner, I guess, Dave Checkets and say that that friction that exists between the people that are irate and angry and the people that are fighting for um, education, information, entertainment, etc. It's like, at the end of the day, that all polishes the final product and creates uh, some sort of connection yeah because i like i watch a lot of soccer but i don't know what the guys are supposed to do when they run out there like yeah. I, I i go to practice but if aaron herrera is supposed to play a certain way like i don't know that so i'm not a i'm not a an expert over there right i'm just a guy that's supposed to make expert opinions about making you care and pay attention and so that's why we've leaned into the oh you don't like the graphic well here's some more graphics that you won't <laughs> like because it's entertaining in that way and definitely you got the reaction and you know it, sometimes those go viral especially when you do something about pizza you yeah. know like to have like man we've done a lot of dumb things uh, in our time but they've some been say dumb <laughs> dumb is in the eye of the beholder tyler p gibbons love what you do thanks for being here brother thanks for yeah. always uh Thanks for always putting fans first, putting the club first, putting um, passion, emotion, intelligence, and uh, integrity in everything you do. I, I truly mean that and appreciate that. Thank you, Godfather. It's all your fault at the end. It is my fault. It's always my fault. <laughs> Just like this podcast, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. You hired me. Not my fault. Thanks, brother. We'll check in again with you in the uh, preseason. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, as always, to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, where we celebrate the past, present, and future of Real Salt Lake. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram, at Claret Cobalt. We are always up for banter, corrections, omissions, guest suggestions, RSL memories, or whatever. You can also use the message function at anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Or drop us a voice memo by email via rsltray at gmail.com. This show is produced independently by me, Trey Fitzgerald, and Mountaineer Media. We record at Mountaineer Studios in Draper, Utah. The views expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of Real Salt Lake. Get to know RSL from the inside out. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to talking to you soon.